Welcome, everybody, to Talk of the Now podcast. This is Gene once again with Cowboy Jason coming at you. How y'all doing? (laughs) Or as I like to call him, Buford T. Jason. (laughs) How you doing, Buford T.? Well, I'm doing right fine now, Gino. How you is? <laughs> Remind me the next time I see your mama. Remind me when we get home. Punch your mama right in the mouth. For those of you that can't see because you're listening to audio, you need to go over to the YouTube channel. But for those of you that can't see, Jason is wearing a a nice white cowboy hat. Looking wonderful in there. Nice white cowboy hat. And some shades, some little uh, uh, Ray-Bans. That's right. That's right. I mean, got aviators. My, got my nice uh, George Strait resist all on. Yeah. Man, you've got me. You got me wanting to go get a cowboy hat. I've been wanting <laughs> to buy one for a while, and I just hadn't got around to it. One day I'll get one. I mean, not that I'm a cowboy born and raised in uh, suburban Atlanta, but well, you know, I would like to have a cowboy hat one day. Gene, you should have been a cowboy. How do I sound, by the way? Oh, you sound good. The last uh, few podcasts that I went back and listened to, um, I felt like my sound was not coming in super clear, so it made me wonder if my microphone was off. I'm, I'm looking rather blue. I don't know if it looks blue on your screen, but. Uh, not too blue. Oh, okay. No more than a George Strait song. Hey, hey! Am I blue? That's right. Or baby blue. Either one. Or out of the blue, clear sky, Gene. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> blue skies are crying in the rain. Hmm. I've always been torn between... Um, well, not torn. I do like Willie Nelson's music. I think he's a pretty talented guy. But I'm not. He's sort of a I got to be in the mood to listen to him type singer. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I agree. So there. So there, I said it. There it is. It's been there, said. There it, it is. That's been said. You're, you know what you're reminding me of? You're reminding me. Um, I know you don't call it college. I know you don't follow college football very closely. Other than um, the Georgia Bulldogs, go dogs. Mm-hmm. But um, Deion Sanders is a big name in college football this year because he's taken over the Colorado um, Buffaloes. And a lot of times he'll wear his aviators and a hat, sometimes even a cowboy hat at interviews or things like that. It just kind of reminded me of uh, Dion. And I saw that. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. There we uh, go. What? No way. <laughs> <laughs> now he's speaking English. <laughs> it's a great well, episode so far. I got to say, we are, we are on notch. it tonight, folks. Yes. In the words of Ted Knight, top notch, top notch. Man, what an outdated reference. I bet anyone under 30 doesn't even know who Ted Knight is. Right. Man, they can make coffee in your. If they're lucky, they know who Ted Knight is. Understood. I got to turn you up because I'm not hearing you very well. There we go. You still there, Jason? Because you are as frozen as a lake in December in Saskatchewan. Are you still there, Jason? Oh, I'm here. Oh, you were frozen for a second there. Yeah, you were, you went away. I've I've been here the whole time. Oh. This is going to turn out like great audio. <laughs> the best podcast we've had yet. That's right. Jason, you called this meeting. What do you want? I don't know. Hey, Gene. Oh, gosh. <laughs> hey. Hi. Hi, Jason. How you doing? How you doing? All right, man. How you doing? <laughs> I found a cool um, um, YouTube channel to watch recently with the, uh, with the My Weef. Uh, and the guy's name is, I know I'm going to butcher it because it's, um, Italian, Italiano. Um, I don't always get the Paisano's names right, you know? No, Let's see. Uh, let's see if I can find the Paisano. Of course, I don't have the, uh, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking through my YouTube, um, uh, 
tabs that I have open, I'm trying to find him. Um, I want to say his name's Pete, but maybe not. Um, hang on. If I had elevator music, I'd play it right now. We're riveted. <laughs> Did you just refer to yourself as we? Because that, that was awesome. Yep. I am a group sometimes. <laughs> Peter Santanello. Okay. It was Peter Santanello. And he, um, very intriguing videos. Okay. You know, I feel like 80% plus of the videos you see on YouTube are going to be something stupid. <laughs> but he actually takes his, I guess, cell phone or camera or something and one man show and he takes it out there and interviews people in different regions and places. The particular one that I'm watching right now is the Appalachia region. Okay. He's originally from Vermont, I guess, born and raised. And he's going into deep Appalachia from like the um, Kentucky, um, West Virginia side of things. And he's like going into the deep part and he's finding characters and individuals, I guess, through networking. And they'll take them on rides to hollers and, you know, he'll interview them about the region and how things are in it and everything. Okay. I'll send you a link on some of it. All right. But, um, but it's really cool. And he, one particular one that I found that was really cool, he found a guy that was, he's not Amish, but he's sort of the Mennonite way of living. And he lives off the grid, except for a landline phone. And he lives on 50 acres in Kentucky. And basically, he just lives off his land. He eats whatever vegetable he grows. And he doesn't eat any. I mean, he doesn't okay. like grow pigs. I mean, he has horses for travel and stuff because he uses a carriage. But otherwise, it, it's very intriguing. Hmm. But he he's a good interview. He, he does a good job of just going. And, and he does everything across the board for, like, just finding different places. He, he visits, you know, um, really bad um, urban areas like downtown Detroit type places and right. rides along with, um, I think ex gang members and that sort of thing to, it, it's very cool. Wow. So, well, Jason, I think I have a good topic that you'll like tonight. Oh, this isn't the topic that's riveting all the listeners. No, no. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I guess I could talk about some other guys, YouTube podcast for an hour, but I don't think <laughs> I will. Um, but if y'all want to check it out, go check it out. I'll try to link it as well into In the, the description. description. In the like, description. Like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so the topic here, Jason, <laughs> audience of one or two, however many people are currently listening, <laughs> Maybe is one that – I want to give a little intro. It's one that Jason will not have any trouble talking about whatsoever. Uh, I would almost venture to say that Jason is an amateur scholar on this subject matter. Uh-oh. And he's going to provide plenty of authority on this. I've pulled up a YouTube, not a YouTube, a Wikipedia page about this current topic. Uh, the last three topics that we've done have been about 80s musics. Musics? Music. Um and once I learn to speak English, we'll get into it. No, uh, the and music, yeah. yeah we didn't, I'm sorry. Why did I say movies? Yeah. So before we get into this topic, by the way, I did enjoy that. And oh, I yeah. thought that I had some great movies. You did too, by the way. BTW. <laughs> don't, don't, don't acronym me. acronym. <laughs> I hate it when I see acronyms. I have no idea what they mean. Or somebody texts me one, and I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> and they're like, be right there. I'm like, oh, gotcha. Um, <laughs> the movie. Today's, today's sponsor is Prevagen, by the way. Uh, well, <laughs> Super Beats. Um, the, um, I think it might be fun. I was just thinking out loud here. The movies that we went through for the 80s. It might be fun to do a few more deep dives. I mean, we've done a few deep dives. I think our next deep dive on an 80s movie might be Back to the Future. I don't think we've done one on that. Right. And then maybe we'll, we did a deep dive on Back to the uh, Future. We've done one on Star Wars. 
which is most two of them are 80s movies. We did yep. the deep dive on um, the Indiana Jones oh. movies. So I think that uh, we could probably do a deep dive on a few other movies from the 80s that we went through and didn't get a lot of chance to talk about. <laughs> Jason, you've turned so, suddenly turned into a Silicon Valley uh, programmer who's <laughs> <laughs> trying to write code. <laughs> he went from Buford T. Justice to uh, <laughs> Bill Gates of 1984. You like my costumes, eh? I do. It's very eclectic. <laughs> These are blue filter glasses. Actually, they're very helpful. I can't make you big. Oh, there you are. Not many people can. <laughs> so, without further ado, let me get into this topic because people that see the oh, description, right. that we did not get to the topic until like right, forty so, minutes into the podcast. Yeah. We're the Titanic. Forty-five minutes. I haven't even hit the iceberg. Okay, so this movie, this um, topic is about something that, like I said, Jason doesn't need any preparation. He's probably going to be an authority on it, even though I've already pulled up the the, uh, Wikipedia to read about it some and talk about it some. I wanted to talk about related to the 80s because I've had it on the list of something to to check out at some point. Um, The band In Excess. I don't know anything about this. No, I just says, all right, have a good night, everybody. Uh, be sure to tip your waitress at the door. And bring me to bitter tears, Gene. Bitter tears. <laughs> bitter oh. tears. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, um, I think that the band in excess is a, of course, tragic because of the death of the uh, lead singer, Michael Hutchins. Um, which is, you know, which was truly tragic. And I don't really want to get into the tragic part of the band. I'd like no. to just maybe talk about the band, its history, and, um, you know, what we like about the band, and as well as him, and, and not really get into the sadness of it. You know what I mean? Like, just right. sometimes I think it's good just to celebrate um, the things that we liked about a band and their influence and, and well, what yeah, was good about That's why we know them. That's why we know them is because of, you know, how they affected us, right? So, yeah. Right. I mean, you look at Elvis, for instance, we don't want to think about the, the the bad sad bitter end of Elvis Presley we you know we celebrate all the good stuff that we liked and that brought a nation together right and sure Elvis could be a deep dive one day but you know within excess though I don't know what what are your what are your initial thoughts about in excess go ahead you have the floor well I'll be honest with you they're a band that I you know I liked in the 80s um just because they were what was on um didn't really like get into them into them in the 80s because i didn't really get into a band really you know back then it was more i was just into music being on and playing um and i think you know regrettably i never saw them live had one you know had a chance to see them um in 96 actually um at the uh, old uh lakewood uh, amphitheater fairgrounds buildings um they played like a 99x show or something exclusive thing there in one of the big big fairground buildings um and didn't and of course he you know died the next year but um i would say you know they stood out to me they're one of those bands that has a multitude of albums but one album always stands out and that's kick kick's always one that stands out with them because it had so many radio hits off of it um but i mean i had you know albums before that they got started on the in on the college scene actually they the record companies didn't want to even release them because they know what to do with them because their sound so their manager just decided the radio stations on the college campuses back in the day and do it himself um peter murphy he took them he took them nationwide in the u.s um on his own so had it not been for the college music scene of the 80s, we might not even know who NXS is. Um, yeah. It was a good documentary. Um, Peter Murphy, a singer, by the way? No. Okay, I feel like I know that name. Um, he's their, um, their manager. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, he, you know, he, took them, he took them worldwide. When the record company said we're not going to, he actually did it kind of illegally. 
to start with. He took the records themselves and took them to the radio stations and released them when back in the day, you're supposed to do that through a record company. Hmm. And then, you know, of course they got really big and the record company was really all about it then. Um, but the doc two part documentary mini or docu drama, um, never tear us apart on Australian television. I was actually able to watch it on one of the movie channels back in the day. And it was really well done. Um, but yeah, I would say that they have, they're the progressive eighties sound to an extent. Now they're not progressive like yes, or obviously the Kings of all progressive rock rush, but they're a bit of a European progressive without being European, you know? <laughs> so they, they came out of a, a country that, you know, gave us little river band, the Bee Gees, you know, bands like that. And they brought their own kind of unique sound through um, Hutchinson's lyrics and uh, uh, yeah. what's his name? Uh, one of the Ferris brothers can't remember if somebody's yelling at me now. Um, John or Tim? I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia here. No, it was uh, John and Tim are the only ones listed as band members. You had Gary, <clears throat> Gary, Gary Beers, Gary, Gary Beers, the mm-hmm. bass player. Um, now, um, oh, what's his name? There's three brothers. Yeah, uh, Andrew, Andrew, Andy, Andy Ferris. Yeah, Andy's the one that okay. wrote most of the music. Ah. Um, so which uh, instrument did he play? The uh, keyboards. Okay. Keyboard, yeah. Um, and so, you know, you get, I, I think there are a lot of bands from the 80s that kind of get lumped into one genre and like get lumped into a big genre. Um, sure. NXS to me kind of stands out in the way that Def Leppard stands out of their, their genre to me. Um, mm. You know, because a lot of people try to lump Def Leppard into hair metal, but it's not really when you listen to it. They have hair metal-esque things going on, but they're not. But then NXS is yeah. kind of like, they're that progressive sound. It could almost be a mix between like XTC, The Cure, and maybe Psychedelic Fur sound, but they're not quite mm-hmm. that. They still you know, have their own thing. Yeah, well, you know, I was going to say to that point that um, they're not like this band, but they could be a brother to this band. As close as a band has ever came to U2, I yeah. think they're almost kind of like a companion, like brother type band to U2 of, of the of that sound they were in during the late 80s. Yeah, because it's a, I don't know how to classify it, because I would never call U2 really progressive rock, but they're kind of of a, I don't know, you're, they're you're origins a are, U2 fan. Yeah, well, they're their not. origins are punk, U2. Right, yeah. They're kind of, they're sort of post, punk, post-punk. That was their that was their origins and rock just kind of you know, right? But without the punk their, sound, yeah. Um, well, their early stuff has like um, really heavy influence of punk in it. That's why I say post punk right. kind of. And you know, to me, you know, I'm glad that NXS went with a new name uh, when they did because they were the Ferris Brothers. No, were um, they really? Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> so they were Ferris Wheel. One of their first, well, Ferris F A R or whatever right. it was I S S, and then um, they also their first manager kind of came up with that name in excess, as in like you do something in excess, right. and yeah, because they were looking at you know bands like XTC, um, so ecstasy, <laughs> you know, doing it phonetically with with, let, with letters like that. Um, because, you know, XTC is another great band from back then, um, British band. But interesting. You could we, see, I could see a lot of influences from XTC to me on NXS, even more right. than U2. Now, later, U2, but it was kind of like a blend of that, even though those are both well you know, yeah. European type bands, but the, you know, whereas NXS was Australian. So, well, if you recall, um, Kick came out or, I think the same year as Joshua Tree. True. And True. um they're very they're very they're very different, but they also have a lot of um um I don't know if the word is epic or kind of um I don't know, just sort of unique qualities about them. Right. 
Yeah, I agree. Just, just um, very outstanding, uh, crazy, wild albums. Yeah, you think about it, like, obviously, Joshua Tree is U2's, I don't know if it's like technically their most successful album, but it's their most memorable album, you know, as far as sales go. I don't know. But yeah, a lot of people's opinion, they're best, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of with them. I like, you know, you, Joshua Tree is one of the original pressing U2 albums that I own. Um, but I own a, I found a copy of, you know, Kick, original pressing at a record store in their $5 section. Oh, wow. And, and the point being, like, it was in pristine condition, but it's around, like, because people wore that record out. And also tapes were coming out at that time. You know, tapes were bigger that – and CDs, actually. CDs were coming out at that time, too. Yeah. So, you know, so I you mentioned <clears> – <throat> sorry. He just had a bunch of different formats all, all – Well, you, you reminded me I was going to mention that my first um, impression of – well, I was around 11 when in 87 when um so I think that around that age I started noticing more things with music and everything. <clears throat> and I remember liking that album a lot. And if I'm not mistaken, I actually asked for that cassette tape and got it in either my Easter bunny Easter basket, <laughs> which my parents gave us Easter bunny baskets um as kids or um a Christmas you know present. Like yeah. it was a, it was a um, under the tree Christmas present. And yeah. I thought that was the coolest thing getting the the NXS um, cassette. Another one that came to mind was I originally got um, Big Bang Boom, uh, the Hall & Oates cassette, and <laughs> I think my Easter Bunny basket one year. <laughs> and so that that comes to my mind. I just remember that, that Kick album and, you know, thinking that was so cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, Looking at the Wikipedia album, album the page, it says that... Um, Obviously, they were an Australian band, which you mentioned, which is funny because Australia is funny in itself. Um, Australian is sort of a pseudo-Western, yet not Western because of its culture and people. It's sort of a Western, but not really Western, and it's Eastern, but not really Eastern country altogether because of its history, you know? Yeah. Um, and they get these crazy influences from the, the Aboriginal culture and the Kiwi culture and... I imagine a lot of American culture from television and stuff and rock, you know, from America. They get all the media influence over the last 50 years, I imagine, from America and England because, you know, they're speaking yeah, English and they're not that I'm any authority yeah. on Australian culture. Obviously, a, a British colony for the longest time. So they're very British and they're right. A lot of their stuff, too. Um, but so know, far away in the East, you know. Right. But affectionately called British rednecks for that reason. Are um, they? I haven't heard that. Yeah, uh, they've called themselves that. A lot of people do <laughs> in Australia. Um, I heard. Australian, I have seen Crocodile Dundee, so yeah, it makes sense. I heard an Australian artist, a country artist, Cherie Austin. She came and played at our college one time. She said oh, she's just a British redneck. Um, <laughs> but you know, but you get people like we've said. You know, the Bee Gees, pretty big band from Australia. Mm -hmm. ACDC, um, right? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, member, Australian. I think some of the members moved to Australia at some point. Um, and then um, Olivia Newton-John, um, mm -hmm. Little River Band, Rick Springfield technically was born in Austria, Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a lot from Australia. More recently, um, Keith Urban. Yeah, Wolf Mother. Um, mm. You know, very – a lot of stuff comes out of Australia. Australia is a great – culture for music they really do um but you know th their whole goal was to make it bigger and out outside of australia obviously um right right but well, um okay you know they had their show what was it <clears throat> countdown mm -hmm. so uh, i must be frozen again hey Oh, there we go. You did freeze. <laughs> I must be pro I must be frozen because you disappeared. Um, so um, that that documentary, that uh, docudrama series, is probably the best for their whole history. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. They have a. Uh, I don't know if you watched that with me. I need to watch it actually. Back so. at the day, well, you, good luck finding it. Um, <laughs> I've been able to find it. Um, you might actually have to figure out a way to buy a hard copy that is somehow. I could probably find a decent one on YouTube or something. Um, but in anything from their first radio song that got on the radio in Australia, which was their song "Simple Simon," which is a, mm -hmm. a funny song altogether. Um, 
Oh, but, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say, let me get back. There were, um, like you said, founded by the Ferris brothers in 1977. Mm-hmm. I didn't know they got started that early, mm-hmm. which coincidentally is about the time you two got started Yeah. in Ireland. So a lot of parallels there. Uh, the founding members, like you said, were, uh, is it Gary, Gary beer beers? Gary, Gary beers. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was pronounced Jerry or Gary. Okay. Um, yeah. The main composer and, like you said, keyboardist, uh, Andrew Ferris, and drummer, John Ferris. Guitarist, Tim Ferris. They're kind of like Van Halen without the uh, the name of the band, right? Right. Um, and the lead singer and main uh, lyricist, um, my, of course, Michael Hutchins. And guitarist and saxophonist, uh, Kirk Pingley. So yep. for 20... Uh, okay. Um, obviously, 20 years, they were fronted by Hutchinson. <clears throat> and... Um, kind of name you want to say hutchinson but it's hutchins um, hutchins hutchins <laughs> it's not even hutchins it's hutchins hutchins yeah uh whose magnetic stage presence made him the focal point of the band <laughs> if hey, you don't if, and if you know nothing <laughs> about you uh in excess that's obvious um initially known for their new wave pop style the band later developed a harder uh pub rock style I never heard the word the term pub rock that included funk and dance elements, which is true. And uh, their first uh, debut album was, um, I'm sorry, their their first uh, number one hit in Australia was Original Sin. Um, and of course, you know, um, goes through some of their albums, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, of course, but Michael Hutchins, if we talk about him for a minute, <clears throat> that guy, I would say. You know, I'm not in. I don't believe in things like reincarnation or anything like that. But <laughs> has there been a closer Jim Morrison in the music business than Michael Hutchins? In a lot of ways, just kind of his. I mean, I know he wasn't probably as crazy as Jim, but or out there, I don't know. <laughs> but um, but just like the magnetic personality that just you know, sort of uh, stage presence. Yeah, yeah, stage presence of. And Very, he looked like he looked he looked like him too, which was kind of makes that comparison a lot easier. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy that got to play him in the mockumentary, wow, pretty good job. Um, you know who would have been a really good uh, actor, of course, to play him in a younger age would have been Val Kilmer, I think, of course. Yeah, because he played Jim Morrison of the yeah. Doors. Yeah. Well, he would just have a great talent for Brent taking on his personality. I think. Right. Um, but they, yeah, I'm, you know, and, and I don't know if most people know this, that uh, Michael Hutchins lost his sense of smell. Um, he was actually, mm. he was walking around in Germany in a, with the model Helena Christensen that he was dating and wow, some other people and a cab driver almost ran him over or something like while they're walking and Michael just kind of like beats on the hood and says, ah, man, what are you doing? The guy gets out and punches Michael so hard he hits the ground and the brain injury caused him to lose his sense of smell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> so he, which means he couldn't taste. That's crazy. Very well either. Um, so there's like a lot of little things to him. Like he was always going off the, going off the deep end, especially after that brain injury when they um, recorded in, where was it? Is it Mallorca? Somewhere like that. Um, hmm. He like, they couldn't get through recording sessions with him. And he was just. Was this a post kick album? Yeah. Okay. Um, they. Um, yeah, they just couldn't. Or was it Capri? One of those, one of those islands. Anyway, they recorded there and. um yeah, they couldn't. They, he couldn't get through sessions. He was just belligerent. And, wow. Yeah, he um, that brain injury had a lot, lot to lot to do with his behavior. But he um, went and left the left the band for a little while and formed a band called Max Q. And hmm. then eventually came back to NXS. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Angie, Andy Ferris is like, man, I wish he would have saved some of those lyrics for the Max for from Max Q for their NXS albums. Um, and of course, they were in the midst of starting a an Australian tour when he died. Um, mm. You know, they were re- rehearsing there, and yeah, 
He was born 1960, January 22nd, 1960, in uh, Crow's Nest, New South Wales, Australia. Mm. <laughs> um, nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that must be the middle of nowhere, because I've, I've heard of New South Wales, but not Crow's Nest. Of any. Uh, he died in New South Wales as well, by the way, in Double Bay, at the age of 37 in 1997. Um. Crow's Nest, Australia. I'm looking this up now because I'm kind of curious where it is in Australia. Okay, north of uh, Sydney. So I yeah, guess that's the suburbs. Yeah, he died at a hotel in Sydney. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he was pronounced dead at the hospital, but he was he, he died in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, came up well, late, came up later on as in the Paradise Papers. In case you ever want to look up, you know, some of the stuff that he may or may not have been involved with. Um, mm-hmm. Paradise Papers or something to look up. Actually, it's kind of a side story. Um, it's uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> so you think that his? Um, I don't know if he had any. Did he have trouble with like um, drugs, alcohol, depression, or anything like that before the accident? I mean, the um, you know the incident. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean he was he was wild. He was just a wild wild one. He's your typical. Typical lead singer. Mm-hmm. So he was um, the sex, drugs, rock and roll stereotype person that kind of gave into all the indulgences. Probably, probably in bold, italicized, capitalized sex of, of that those three. Mm-hmm. Um, he was famous for that. I mean he he broke Kylie Minogue's heart. <laughs> you know, back in the day because you know he dated Kylie Minogue. He was really pretty good. I actually went and watched that uh, documentary done on him with him and Kylie. It was basically a lot of it was him and Kylie. Hmm. Um, I watched it. it. Came out in the theater a few years ago, and I went and watched it. And uh, you know, a lot of it's 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 the intimate footage stuff that like he took because he took a camera around a lot, mm-hmm. and so he was filming and filming all the little stuff. It was really good. No visuals needed, really. <laughs> but so there's a lot of aspects to that to the band. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kylie, I think in a concert, of course, she went, I mean, she's crazy, silly pop. She went and did a uh, a version of Never Tear Us Apart in concert one time and tribute to him. Um, mm. But, uh, and I danced with my wife at our wedding. My, our first dance was Never Tear Us Apart. Oh, yes, I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. chose that one and to honor yeah. Michael and, to, you know, because it's one of those good songs. Well, um, you know... One of the most heartbreaking things about his legacy to me is that he he did leave a child, unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately, but he left a child that that was, um, you know, um, unfortunately did grew up without a dad, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there's a whole incident between him and Bob Geldof. Um, Bob Geldof um, of. Uh, What's the name of the band? I can't remember. But he also organized uh, the uh, Live Aid. He was the Mm -hmm. organizer for Live Aid. But oh yes, Um, yeah. yeah. um, I don't like Monday's guy. Yeah, Um, Boomtown Rats. That's it. Yeah, yeah, Boomtown Rats. Um, Okay, yeah, it's interesting um, the Bob Geldof character because I've heard in interviews where Bono. I mean, Bono felt like Hutchinson was a brother to him. Hutchinson, yeah. Hutchins, excuse me. <laughs> I said it. Um, and he wrote a yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember. Um, stuck in stuck in a moment. Yeah, that was yep. written for Mr. Michael Hutchins, and which is kind of a sad song to listen to, but it's um, pretty touching stuff. The album. Look, I, I want to go through the albums with you, um, which is interesting to me because they have one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve total albums, ten of which Hutchins um, sang on. And it's interesting to look at this list because In Excess, 1980, Underneath the Colors, 1981. Is it uh, Sabo Saboa? Uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. It's Shabushaba. Shabushaba, that's what I said. Um, <laughs> 1982. <laughs> And uh, swing the swing, nineteen eighty four. Um, I'm assuming that's not about the dance, the kind of dance you do swing. Um, listen to listen like these, nineteen eighty five, and then kick eighty seven, 
X way before Twitter, 1990. Uh, welcome to the whatever you are, whenever, wherever you are, 1982. I'm 1992. What decade am I in? Full Moon, Dirty Hearts, 1993, Elegantly Wasted, 1987, Switch, 2005. Which was the last one, 97, but yeah, that's the last. Right. Uh, Elegantly Wasted was the last one. And their post ones were Switch in 2005 and Original Sin in 2010. Um, the interesting thing that I think about that list is I don't think they showed up on most people's maps until around 87, yet they had five albums that came out before with with some hits on them, yeah. Oh, absolutely! I love a lot uh, of their, their songs first hit. Their their first hit here was "What You Need," actually. Yeah, great, great song. Um, off great of album. Like I mean, a great video. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, listen like oh, that was off. Listen like thieves. Okay. Yeah, and listen like thieves itself was a good song. You know. Don't um, change was an earlier album. No. Shabu Shaba. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, we talked about uh, Steve Craig on this show before of 99X in Atlanta radio station. You can find it online, by the way, if you want to check it out. It's a it's a fun little radio station. He does a, a daily show for lunch called the um, Retro Retro Pleasure. And <laughs> basically, he goes through. Retroplex, and, yeah. No, no, he's changed it back to its original title, the Retro Pleasure. <laughs> and uh, that's what he said it used to be called when he first started it. And. They go through 80s new wave pop, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and he does a lot of great um, kind of deep cuts that a lot of people probably haven't heard before. And anyway, he was saying that um, that album was his favorite. Shabu Shaba? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said that that was his favorite album of NXS. Which it I had Don't Change and One Thing on it. Mm-hmm. That's a good song, too. <clears throat> so do you have a favorite album? for uh nxs jason well my favorite song is is don't change actually um okay so i guess shabu shabab but i mean obviously kick is probably you know it's got the most number of memorable songs on it um i actually liked elegantly wasted that last hit they had i need um, to listen to that actually played on the the song elegantly Wasted. it played on 99x back in the day mm-hmm. um and i remember thinking man that's a great song like NXS is coming back. They're adapting. It, it still fits. They're still their own sound, but they still kind of fit in the alternative kind of range. Because hmm. um, like a lot of bands from then, you know, some of the new wavy progressive '80s bands kind of got hit just about as bad as hard as heavy as hair bands did with the influx of grunge. Right. Yeah. But in a different way, like they could kind of adapt, but not really. And then you, you, you sort of didn't want them to adapt because then they don't sound like themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was hard to survive. And, um, you know, stations like 99X would always play, you mm-hmm. know, some of the, the new wave stuff too. So it wasn't straight up just the, the grunge rock. Right, you know, right, right. Some of that stuff, or the silly pop. It was the, you know, that. But it anyway, wasn't, yeah. yeah. It wasn't all Stone Temple Pilots. They would still play an REO you know, REM song or whatever from the 80s. Right. And they, they do that or they play the cure or they play, you know, <clears> something. So you had, you had certain markets, bigger markets that had stations like that. They could play them. But I, I think all around, I think, you know, don't change is my favorite song. From don't them. change would be your favorite song. Okay. That, that's, yeah. that's up there for me. Yeah, for sure. I think that, yeah. um, I think, oh man. Um, got the, um, I was just thinking, let me pull up kick. I think, one of their songs there might be my favorite. Probably, I mean, I know this is an easy choice, but Need You Tonight might be my my favorite. It's just such a fun song. Yeah, and then, song, isn't it? Just because you it always got to bleed in to meditate. Right, because it makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. The same way that, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the two Journey songs, Anytime and... Um, oh, yeah. And uh, gosh, oh yeah, that. Um, they they have to be together even though they're not. All you know, they're separate songs. Um, mm-hmm. Or the same way that falling in and out of love with you always blends into Amy from Pure Period League, but they're two separate songs. So um, <clears throat> tainted love and uh, what do you call it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, so 
I mean, I, I, there's not a wrong answer. I mean, they made a lot of great music. You know, there was some stuff that was played a lot. A lot of stuff off of Kick was played a lot. Right. Um, but because, I mean, you know, um, God, what's their most famous song? I'm totally blanking tonight, Gene. Who's this? Oh, in excess. Oh, in excess. They're most. I would say what you need might be their most famous. I don't know. Uh, no, it's off a of kick. Uh, that was off kick. No, what? Uh, what you need is off of. Uh, um, listen like these. Um, I'm sorry, I meant need you tonight. I'm sorry. No, I that. But devil it, inside it, uh, could be new sensation. Devil inside. New sensation. That's their new sensation song. to me. New sensation and need you tonight. It's kind of a tie. I can't really say that yeah. one. I like one over the other. They're both up there for me. Um, but new sensation to me is the riding my bike to the pool in the summertime song. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like no, that one to me is like completely summer song. The videos are or something else too. Those that album. Those such great videos from that album. Yeah. Um, the. Um, I think a lot of that sound off of kick comes from they're trying to influence college stuff at that time. Mm. That's what that mm. album, if you listen to that album and then you think about college in the eighties, not that either of us really <laughs> remember college days, but you watch like shows or movies and you, you look at the culture of college from back then you had your REM, all that college music coming out. Mm-hmm. You can tell they made that one for college. And that's, I think, why it like resonates with everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. Never tear us apart. That's still a great one to yeah. listen to. I mean, I mean, it is obviously. I I chose it for my first dance at my wedding. I mean, so. If you're driving around and you've got nothing else to listen to, and you're just like, ah, hey, never tear us apart. I mean, I don't think you ever refuse to listen to that one. Right, I agree. And it's you know the 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 melding of the you know the violins in there with it. I mean, just the, the whole strings. It's just, I mean, Andy Ferris was just brilliant on musicianship. Here's my oh. one beef on that album, and it's the same beef that I have for Bruce Springsteen's song, um, I'm on Fire. Mm-hmm. Guns in the Sky. Love that song, but it, it's just too short. Like, I just want the song to be four minutes, and it just ends. You're like, ah, oh, I just wish it would keep going. So, I just ran out of room. <laughs> yeah, it just, um, I mean, I, I, I listen to that song, and I'm just like, oh, man, I wanted to keep going, but it's ended. Yeah, I mean, it can be... I wish be, they had a longer version of it, extended version of it, so... Yeah, it makes you wonder if there's some kind... I do have their the 30th anniversary of Kick on vinyl. I have that that pressing, and I think it's got some extras mm. on there. I, I haven't opened it, so I don't know. Um, but, um, yeah, I bought, the, I bought a new pressing, a 30th anniversary, and then I've got the original pressing, <laughs> so... Oh, wow, um, really? Yeah, and then I've got... I think three copies of Shibu Shaba. I've got um, a couple of listen like these, you know, one of the swing. Um, I well, don't have uh, any, the earlier yeah. albums are harder to find on vinyl at all. Um, right. Right. Like the first two, it's like, well, eh, yeah. huh. it's the same way that you can't find rush rush, you know, that one really in a record store. Um, well, I can tell you right now, um, if you are a NXS fan, there are all types of additions, expansions blu-rays double disc versions of kick that you could find out there and breaking news um there is a longer version of guns in the sky called the kick ass kick ass mix of hutchins um which apparently is six minutes long so there there you go go, gene (laughs) i guess i gotta (laughs) check that one out yeah check that one out um but yeah all in all just you know to me, it's just hard to beat their sound. I mean, they they had their own sound. Yes, it is distinctly '80s for the most part, but the only reason it's '80s is because it came out in the '80s, and we associate it with that time frame. It's not. I, I don't think it's '80s because it sounds too much like anything else. I really don't think it does. Well, um, like you and I, Jason, they were born in the '70s and they evolved into the '80s as a band. Yeah, yeah, as a band. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just. I think. It's like you said, NXS comes on the radio. You just, you turn it up. I mean, you know, even a song you heard 4 million times back in the day, you know, like what you need actually got played a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think. um, I tend, you know what I think of their music a lot of ways? Um, Instrumentally, 
things like guitars, drum solos, drum guitar, you know, to me, they're minimalist a lot of ways. Some ways. Yeah. Like they, the way that like, you don't hear a lot of heavy guitar solos or a lot of, no, I would say they're minimalist guitar. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine. It's just, it's cool. It's fine. Honestly, honestly, in the same way that you too is. No, for sure. Yeah. Nothing. The edge really does is extremely difficult on guitar. Mm -hmm but it works for the sound. It doesn't have to be difficult. That's the point. Like just, you know, you can still have a good sound and not be a complex guitar, you know, solo. It doesn't. Have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's safe to say you two and NXS are like bands from another mother type thing. <laughs> true. One's Irish, one's Australian. Um, they have, they seem to have a lot of coincidences that are odd. Even yeah. going back to their beginnings and stuff. Yeah. Um, to an extent, like, I mean, there's some later songs like, um, Beautiful girl, that song mm-hmm. could have easily been recorded by you two. I mean, he yeah. almost sounds Bono like on that one. That's the one mm-hmm. that I was like, oh man, listen to that new U2 and XS song, you know, back in the day. Right. Um, a later song from them, but great song. Um, they sort of have a, to me, you, um, I would say in excess over U2, to me, they have sort of a sound that you would expect to hear in an opera house almost. Very, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's hard to, it's, it's melodic. It's very layered, um, which is what Andy Ferris kind of was going for anyway. When Suicide was, Blonde comes to mind when I think of that. Yeah, it's very production. Yeah, Suicide mm. Blonde was written obviously about Kylie Minogue. Um, mm. But, mm. you know, it was, you know, they, they dealt a lot in reverb and things like that to give it that kind of concert hall sound. Um, and I think Andy did that on purpose. Um, you know, they got accused on their live album from uh, Wembley Stadium that they mm-hmm. did. Live Baby, Live Baby Live, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, like, added stuff in or something. And they didn't. They just, you know, they just mixed their music. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, there's a lot of similarities, but there's some definite differences, you know. Oh, for sure. Too. Um, for sure. You know, you don't really have the angsty side as much as you two did, you know. There's no Sunday, bloody Sunday on the NXS side, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know. There's, and I, it's, it's hard really to describe them because they just are in excess. That's their sound. <clears throat> right, right. And no, I guess yeah, that's what sure. makes them great, and that's what makes them... You know, to parallel them with the Doors, I, I kind of sense the frustration the band had after Michael Hutchins died, same way as the Doors. They just, you know, they never were anything again after that. None, none no. of the other band members really created another band or moved on to other things, really. You know what I mean? Yeah, NXS tried with that um uh the the TV show where they right. looked for that singer. Um and it was a good idea, not that the guy was a bad singer. It just just you know, are you going to get away with singing Michael Hutchins every night because when somebody when people come to see NXS, that's what they want to hear. Right. Uh, um yeah. You know, you know, same way I saw Stone Temple Pilots ago with their new singer who sounded exactly <laughs> Island, so it actually turned out really well. Now he he looked like uh, um, what's his name? Um, he looked like the lead, he looked like the lead singer of Al, of Allison Chains. You know, he looked like Lane Staley, but he sounded like Scott Weiland. So they worked oh, out. Wow. But you know, sometimes it works out. But yeah. at the same time, when you have an iconic sound, it's usually because you have an iconic singer too. And when that singer, yeah, you're not going to replace Bono. You can't like, yeah. When, you know, whenever that happens way down the road or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, if the other band members are alive, they're not going to kick now. Or you could be like the Rolling Stones and say, well, we're just going to last guy, you know, dies, shut the door before you keel over. You know, I'm like, well, you know, I think that somebody like Queen sort of did it right in some ways because they just all they did was just they just sort of brought in somebody as a guest singer kind of like paul rogers for a long time 
Right. It's like they knew they weren't going to just find another Freddie Mercury. No, you, you know, never find just, another Freddie Mercury. So they just brought in another great singer that everybody's real familiar with, and he just sort of kind of guest sang with them for a long time. You know, right? Yeah. Uh, you, I thought of somebody that would have been a great singer for them. If they so in excess of your listening, <laughs> I think that Ronald um, Orzabal of Tears for Fears would be a, a, a decent singer for their songs. Well, I I could see it's a very similar sounding voice. Yeah. 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 When yeah, I was I listening, I was huh. listening to a Tears for Fear song the other day, or today. Um, what's the song? Um, oh gosh, um, so in the seeds of love, and I was like, wow, he really his tonal sound yeah. is a lot like Michael Hutchins. I never really thought about that, but it's like his delivery too, the way he delivers that. Tone. I think he could pull off some of their music if they ever wanted to yeah. hire him out. You know, I mean, if he still, you know, they still tour. Be- if he wants to do it. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, he's still touring right now. As a matter of fact, I think they're on a tour right now, but you know, for the same reason that, um, when what's his name of Boston died, mm-hmm. um, lead singer, can't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah. I know who you're Tom talking Schultz. about. Yeah. A few years ago. Um, they got Michael sweet from striper. To ah, tour interesting. Because he can hit those freaking notes. That's not easy to do. And he can still hit them. Uh, I saw him in a small club here outside of Atlanta and Buford. I saw Michael Sweet, and man, Michael can hit those notes—the striper notes that we all remember from, you know, "To Hell with the Devil" and all those songs like that. And then he sang some of the Boston songs, and it was like, "Wow!" You know, so uh, singers that that can still keep it at that level are very rare. Um, you know, it makes you wonder, like, if Hutchins had lived. You know, would they still be touring? Mm. I think so because they're that iconic a band. Um, yeah, if I guess it would all depend on what his life would have turned out. You know, would he have yeah. just kind of decided that he was burnt out and wanted to? You know, I guess he's to, to me his personality. If he had grown old, might have been the kind of guy. I'm just going to buy an island in the Caribbean and live there for, or in New Zealand and just live live on an island for the rest of my life and paint yeah. or something. You never know. Um, I don't know. I don't pretend to know what he was like off, off, you know, stage. I mean, I mean, I've heard, you know, and I'm, whatever he was involved in that dealt with the Paradise Papers, I know it's a whole nother rabbit hole, um, but it was enough something for his brother to say what he said at his funeral, which was weird. Um, His brother said, and don't worry, I will keep what you were doing secret or something. He said that at his funeral. Where everybody went, "What is that?" You know, it was like some strange statement. Like, and then it turns out later on, he turns up in the Paradise Papers, which are like a lot of like people involved. I, you have to look it up. But and I'm going, okay, is that what he was talking about? Because even that doesn't seem as secretive enough. To anyway, you well, just wonder. Yeah. You, you anyway. just wonder sometimes. You know. Um, but either way, uh, yeah. to say like you know, would he have still been touring? He may have had other things he was doing yeah. that would have taken taken place. You know, it's the same thing we questions we ask about anybody that dies. Right. And this is not me saying you know that guy right there hanging up behind me, Ayrton Senna. Um, you know what would he done? You know what would uh, any of them done? Sure. Know? I mean, some of them aren't like the Rolling Stones, where they're just living fossils. <laughs> and can just keep going somehow. Um yeah. you know, sixty plus years. Like, good Lord, guys. Well, some like, singers, I guess, you know, they're they I mean they're stuck. doing I mean they're to this day, you know, Big Jagger's doing what nobody's done before in his genre of music. So yeah, I don't uh, even understand. Outside like, of maybe some of the older uh blues singers that maybe have lived into their eighties. Right, but to be able to still tour like they do and perform like really. Right. Um, and of course now they're, you know, they're not obviously not the complete band anymore. Paul McCartney still does it, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, Paul's, you know, Paul's always been Paul. Paul did his own side stuff and actually was successful though. Oh yeah. You know, and that's kind of way I see it. Like with some of these bands, you know, would somebody broken off? It's hard to be successful on your own, you know, outside of a band. And no, I agree. I agree. When the Rolling Stone wanted to finally put NXS on their cover, they only wanted to put Michael Hutchins. And okay, Michael, here, yeah. Michael refused because he said, no, we're a band, and you're going to put us all on that cover. Mm. That's Very how nice. he was with his band. Now, he was contentious to some degree, 
but he was loyal to his friends because they were all school friends. Well, if you're if you're in a band, in my opinion, you have to look at it like you're a family and your brothers and you're going to sit in the room and you're probably going to push each other every once in a while. You're probably yeah, going to I mean, me- mentally, physically, metaphorically, you're going to you're going to probably push each other around a little bit and get in fights. And at the end of the day, you're probably going to hug it out. You hope. And then, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think we both appreciate and a lot of people appreciate in excess as a band. And uh, I think that um, that's why we did this episode so that, you know, people can just think about it and, Hey, go listen to some NXS albums. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite bands from back then. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask you: Would this would they be in your top five, either ten, five, top five or ten of band, all but time bands? At least the top ten. Yeah, mm. yeah, really, honestly, they would be. Um, and I, I judge that on one one criteria: How much do I enjoy listening to them? Simplest criteria in the world. You know. Yeah. You go for musicality. They're probably yeah you know, we said there are a lot more complicated bands out there musically i mean one of my top bands of all time rush is one of the most complicated bands musically of all time you know so i think when it comes down to it what do you like to listen to and you know what will you let play on a radio station even when you meant to turn it you know like or a satellite radio and you got like way too many channels like i do i'll sit there and listen to music until something grates my nerves and NXS doesn't do that. Never has. Even their overplayed stuff, I'll still listen to. You know, yeah. I'm not going to turn Need You Tonight because I've heard it four million times. Um, you know, I, I, that's just, that's kind of how I judge a band. And I have my preferences, but I also, it's like movies. I just want to be entertained. And, mm-hmm. and music, me and you both, I think is even more dear to our hearts than movies are and you know music defines the time in your life like i said i'm driving i'm riding my bike to the pool the neighborhood pool like going through the woods to go to the milan park pool in clarkson georgia yeah listening to nxs on my walkman i mean it makes sense you can almost smell that day. You know, like, like that's what that's what music does. And I think NXS does a good job of kind of encapsulating a time period and still being able to transfer, trans, like, transport us back to that time period when we listen to it. Whatever that time yeah. period may be. That's know? deep, Jason. That's deep. I know. Sorry. I, I meant, to, meant to put <laughs> a, a deep thought disclaimer on. That's deep. Um, but yeah, that that's that's how I feel about NXS. So yes, I I would say they're in my top ten of all time. Okay. Now, yeah. Do I feel another list show coming on? Do I feel another list? Oh, show maybe on? so. Maybe, maybe maybe we'll do something like that. We could do top, top top twenty bands and top twenty albums. There you go. Who? Yeah, top twenty no. bands slash musicians because. Well, yeah. Top twenty musical Artist. acts. Sure. Yeah. Top twenty musical acts. And then I would say, in conjunction, on that same list, put the top album from that one by each uh, one. You know, I mean, yeah, that you way you're that. not doing two. You're not doing two separate ones because when it comes down to it, I think your top albums and your top artists should kind of be the hmm. same. You know? Yeah, um, that that could be true. I don't. Well, not necessarily for me though. One of my top albums is not one of my top bands. I can think of one right offhand. Yeah. Are you gonna um, reveal these truths to us, Gene? Well, I'll mention this before we leave because we're about to close it out. Um, there's a band called Jars of Clay. Jason knows them. Um, Christian yeah, band. Used to contemporary, like Christian, yeah. contemporary Christian band. I loved them back in the 90s. Uh, first two albums are great. Um, <laughs> and uh, their album, uh, Much Afraid, is probably, I don't know if it's in my top 20, but it's probably top 25 albums. And the band itself, um, you know, I could take her. I mean, they're fine, whatever. But um just those two albums though probably in my top 25 albums but they're not one of my top 20 bands at all they fell into the world category for me so i won't listen to them anymore but yeah yeah i mean i'll listen to those two albums over and over because i just think they're great um same thing can be said for um, dc talk uh jesus freak i love that album but (laughs) them as a band and member you know whatever but so that that's why i say that i have one top 25 albums that would not necessarily be top 25 bands Ah, my like my top rock and roll song of all time is um, "Cashmere." 
Cashmere, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes, Led Zeppelin is up there on my top bands, but they're not my number one. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we all so, know that Blondie's your number one, so that's easy enough, Jason. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie, though. If I was a 21-year-old or 20-year-old in 1979, I probably would have had a small crush on that lead singer. She's a She was a pretty lady back yeah. then. Deborah Harry. Yeah. Deborah Harry, yep. A lovely lady. Anyway, all right, Jason, well, let's close it out. Any final thoughts on uh, NXS and my final thoughts? No, I don't just, need a 20-minute um, dialogue. No, I'm kidding. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know me. <laughs> yeah. Not many words. Uh, no, I'd just say go out there. Go get some NXS on vinyl, people. Listen mm-hmm. to it the way it was originally intended. The warmth of vinyl. That music just pops with vinyl. I would say do that. I would say go out and go out and buy Kick. You know, that's a good one to buy. Um, Guns in the Sky. Oh, such a good. <laughs> but make sure you listen to the extended version. Apparently, there's good song, twice, good twice as much song. Um, yeah. But no, we'll go and listen to that. Um, listen to Shibu Shaba. See what you think. You know that that's a good album. Um, mm-hmm. And then give Michael Hutchins some credit and listen to his last hit song off of Elegantly Wasted, the title track. Um, you know, good song. Just a just a great fun mid 90 mid late 90 ish song um yeah i would say yeah. i would say just go out and turn it up that's what we say all right well thanks everybody for listening and jason we'll see you next time all right later later